Hello, and welcome to the Christ Walk Church Podcast. If you've got your Bibles, uh, you've got a smart device with you, I want to encourage you to turn to the New Testament, to the book of Matthew. It's the first book in the New Testament, and uh, we are going to land in chapter 4 in just a moment. I want to talk to you about a... uh, a verse that the Lord has just kind of placed in my heart and had on my mind here for the past um, past little while as we kind of set the tone for, uh, for today and as we head into this new year. Um, just share some thoughts, some ideas from you that, um, that I've kind of been wrestling with personally. Um, and as we turn our sights to a new year, um, kind of take some of these things and, and look at who we're going to be in this new year. And so I've entitled this message, Living Your Best Life. Living Your Best Life. How many of you want to live your best life in 2019? I know that I do, and I, I believe that God's Word gives us some tools, some keys in order to unlock um, our best life, and, and I believe that for, um, for, for us, for this church, that 2019 is going to be our best year yet, and, and I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to that, and I believe, I don't, I don't think that we have to wait until it starts um, to, to place ourselves on that trajectory, and I think that we can, um, that we can begin that today, um, here two years before the new year. Uh, so um, everybody have a good Christmas. Yeah, good Christmas. I, I remember um, uh, 12 years ago, it was Luke's, for our son, Luke's first Christmas. And I, I remember that we finally got him to, got him to sleep and um, uh, started to get out all of the presents and, um, you know, do, do everything upright. And, and we, were, we were brand new parents, so naturally, we like went crazy overboard, you know, on his first Christmas. Like he was barely old enough to even like open any gifts or anything. You know, he was a February baby, uh, uh, Jan- January, right at the end of January. Sorry, Avery's our February baby, um, right at the end of January. And so he was barely old enough to even do anything on Christmas morning, but we went all out. And so we're getting everything set up, you know, and uh, um, Santa's cookies and, and, and milk and everything is out and, and all, of the, all of the festivities and the, the, the procedure and everything. And we've got all the toys set up and, and all the gifts under the tree and everything is just right. And the whole time that I'm doing it, and I'm like, I feel like something is missing like we've we've forgotten something and then I realized approximately 98.4 percent of the gifts that we had gotten our son operated on batteries (laughs) and we had none and so I'm thinking like well this isn't going to be a very you know spectacular Christmas morning you know when he comes in and we show him everything and none of it works right and so I did what any first time father would do, I got in the car and I went to Walgreens because they're the only thing open on Christmas Eve. And that I've discovered is why they're open. Because when you get to Walgreens at like 1130 at night on Christmas Eve, you realize that the only other people in there with you are dads (laughs) who have forgotten batteries. They're in there, they're in like mismatched pajamas 
you know, and they're walking around. There's like big dark circles under their eyes because for the past three hours, they've been putting together bikes or they've been putting like little tiny decals on things, you know, like doing the whole dad thing only to realize, oh, we forgot the batteries. And so you see guys walking around like with armfuls of batteries and like a five hour energy and a slim gym. And like, that's what they go and they drop off at the, at the counter, you know, to pay for. And so, um, so that's what I did because we realized like as good as the toys looked, as good as everything was set up with everything in place and, and the way that it needed to be and all the preparations that had been made, there was just something missing. Like it, it wasn't able to totally fulfill its purpose without those batteries. And I, I think that that's how a lot of us kind of live our lives sometimes is that we, we seek to just, we're just checking off the boxes. Like we, we want to be sure that it looks good, right? We, we want that house with the white picket fence. And we want to have that nice shiny car. And, and we want to have the, the job with, with room for growth so that we can get promotions and, and, and move, move along the corporate ladder. And we want to be sure that the, the pantry is filled full of groceries and that we have the spouse and the two and a half kids and the cat and the dog and, you know, all of those things that American culture and society would tell us that we need in order to live. And in fact, God even, he instructed in, in, through Jesus to his disciples and to us, he instructed us to even pray for these things. When, when Jesus was teaching the disciples to pray, he said that we are to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Give us the things that we, that we need in order to live this life. And a lot of us, we, we come to church and and we're Christians and we serve God because it's what we're supposed to do, right? We, we, we feel that expectation in our life. Many of us, we even trust God to meet the needs that we have. We come to church. Some of us serve on a, on a volunteer team. Some of us attend a small group. But in the midst of all of that, it still seems that there's something missing and we find ourselves, if we're not careful, just merely existing. Have you ever felt that way? Like you're just kind of, you're just kind of here. You're just kind of going through the motions and you're just trying to check off the boxes of all the expectations that are placed on you. Have you ever felt at the end of one year, as you're looking to a new year that's about to turn over, have you ever felt, well, thank God I made it one more year. You ever felt that way? Sadly, too many of us do. Sadly, too many of us, we get to this part of the year and we're just like, Phew. well, I made it. And we trudge into the new year. But is that what it means to live our best life? Is that really what our best life is all about? Just to check off all the boxes, just to make it to one more year, just to simply be here and exist? I don't think so. And in fact, I, I believe that, that God addresses this in his word in, in Matthew chapter four. And we're gonna read one verse, uh, verse four. And this is when... Um, Jesus had he, had, he had grown to become a man 
And he had been recognized as the Messiah by John the Baptist. And he had gone down um, to be baptized by John. And then the Bible says that the Holy Spirit um, drove him out into the wilderness. And there Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. It was, it was a, a preparation for his earthly ministry. And at the end of those 40 days, the devil comes to him and tempts him in three different ways with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And this is one of the temptations. Now, consider Jesus has been fasting. He has gone without food for 40 days, and the devil is with him and sees a pile of stones. And he tells Jesus, he says, why don't you turn these stones to bread? All right. And so this is Jesus' reply, and this is the verse that I've just been chewing on for the past little bit and that I want to talk to you about for the next few minutes today. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of of God. All right, so the first thing he says is, man shall not live by bread alone. That means then, that tells us then that there's more to this life than just merely existing. There's more to this life than just simply having our daily bread so that we can make it to tomorrow. There's more than just having the things that we need in order to stay alive, that God has something else planned, something else in store for us, but he doesn't just leave us hanging there. He says, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So not only does he communicate that there is more to life than just merely existing, he also gives us an indication of what it means to live that kind of life. And so I, I took an idea from this that I want to talk to you about today, and it's simply this. God doesn't intend for us to just be alive. He intends for us to really live. He doesn't intend for us to just be alive. Instead, he intends for us to really live. And we find this out in John chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus proclaims, this is kind of his, his proclamation of his earthly mission. He says, I came to give life, life in all its fullness. And so we have this idea that we can be alive there can be breath in our lungs that we can actually exist, but yet we may not be really living. And so it's not just by bread alone that we live, that's keeping us alive, that is sustaining us so that we can make it to tomorrow, but it is by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So now, where do we, where do we get God's word. I mean, some of us, we, we listen and maybe you're not hearing God audibly speak. And that's okay if you're not. But just because you're not hearing him audibly speak doesn't mean that he is not trying to communicate something to you. And so where do we get his word? If that is part of, of what it means to truly live is by living the words that he speaks, where do, where do we find this? And our primary source is the Bible. Our primary source is the Bible. Have you ever considered what 
the Bible might say in terms of how you're supposed to live your life? Have you ever considered what the Bible reveals to us in terms of what it means to live life in all of its fullness? Have you ever considered what God is trying to communicate to you in terms of the things that he wants you to know, the things that he wants you to do, the things that he wants you to become? Have you ever considered those things? And if we can discover this kind of life through God's word, then how do we go about it? The simple fact is, is that the Bible very much serves as like a roadmap for those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and made him their Lord and Savior. It serves as a roadmap so that we will know how to live. And, and the Bible in, in general terms kind of reveals three different things about what God has for us. Number one, it reveals his precepts for us. Number two, it reveals his principles for us. And number three, it reveals his promises for us. And serving as this roadmap through his precepts, through his principles, and through his promises, the Lord, through his word, teaches us and tells us and communicates to us the things that he wants us to know, the things that he wants us to do and the things that he wants us to become. And they serve as building blocks upon each other. So if, if you've got something to take notes with, I wanna encourage you, write some of this down because I think this is really good and this is going to set the tone for where we are headed in the new year. So first of all, God's word, the Bible, reveals to us his precepts the things he wants us to know. And precepts, that's not really a, a term that we throw around a lot. And so um, for those of you that may be wondering what a precept is, it's simply this. It is a commandment or a direction given as a rule of action or conduct. A commandment or direction given as a rule of action or conduct. These are non-negotiables. These are things that there is no, there is no um, gray area. It is black and white. It is, it is the commandments, the, the authoritative portions of God's word that give specific directives in terms of how we are supposed to live our lives. And these things we need to know, they, they serve as the guardrails, if you will, in order for us to stay on the path towards living a life that is pleasing unto God. Here's, here's what God's word says about his precepts. He says, the precepts, some of your translations may use commandments or orders. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart, that, that the, the guidelines, the laws, the commands, the orders that God has given us, that they are right, that they are where they need to be. And, and when we live our lives by them, it causes our heart to be able to rejoice. So we should be happy that God has given us these precepts. The, the second thing that it says is, is that the works of his hands are faithful and just, and all his precepts are trustworthy. That's important. Not only are they right, but they're also trustworthy. That means that we can lean on the precepts of God that are found in his word. We can depend on them to show us how we are supposed to live. And so when I think about that, in keeping with kind of our roadmap theme, I think of a speed limit sign. 
You're driving down the road and you see a sign off to the side that says speed limit, 35 miles per hour. That communicates something very direct, very straightforward. There is no gray area. It is black and white, literally and figuratively. Speed limit, 35 miles per hour. And so you know that the law, the order, the command is, is that on this road, you must stay at a speed of 35 miles per hour or under. That's how we understand God's precepts. The second thing his word reveals to us, in addition to his precepts, is his principles. These are the things that God wants us to do. Now, a principle is different from a precept in that a principle is an adopted rule or method for application in action or a derived truth. So God establishes his precepts. This is the big picture. These are his, his, his commands, his rules, his orders. And it is out of those precepts that then we derive the truths of his principles. If God has commanded that we live in this way, then we can derive certain truths out of that to know how to apply it to every nook and cranny of our lives. And this is what God's word communicates about his principles. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, Paul writes, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. That means that there is gain to be had. And here's what we gain from the principles of God's word. It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God or woman, in, as the case may be, may be complete, equipped for every good work. So when we, when we engage with God's word, we discover principles that are derived from the precepts that we can apply to our lives, that they teach us the right way to live, for reproof, for correction. It, it shows us maybe where we've erred in some way, where we need to change our heart, change our life for training in righteousness so that we will know how to live and that it will equip us for every good work. It will equip us so that we can become the people that God has called us to be. And so where a precept is like a speed limit sign, the principle that we would get from that is that we need to drive carefully, right? Now, there's some gray area there. It's not necessarily black and white. There, there's a little bit of wiggle room, and, and, but based on the, the hard fact of the, the cut and dry, the black and white speed limit 35 miles per hour, then that would communicate to us that we need to then drive carefully, and if we are obeying that precept of 35 miles per hour, then we would be able to der derive that, that if we do that, if we honor that precept, then the principle would be that we are driving carefully, that we are living our life the way that we need to live. All right. So in order to drive 35 miles per hour, that means that there's certain things that we're not going to do. All of those things are not listed on that speed limit sign. But yet we understand that to then play out that, that we behave in certain ways and we, we do certain things in order to maintain that precept. And then those are the principles that we begin to apply to our life. Is this making sense to anybody? 
this morning? Okay, I hope. I know it's a little weird. It's a little bit different than maybe my normal approach. All right. So then, not only does God's word reveal to us his precepts, and not only does it reveal to us his principles, but it also reveals to us his promises. And these are the things that God wants us to become. The things that God wants us to become, the the things that he has in store for us. And a promise is simply this. It is an express assurance on which expectation is to be based. That because God has said this, then I can expect this to happen, right? Because God has communicated something in his word and because I know that his precepts are trustworthy and that if I live my life in accordance with those precepts and I apply the principles of of truth that I derive from them, because God has said this and then because I live this way, then I can expect a certain result to take place because God has said in his word that he is faithful, that when I lean into that faithfulness, I know that he's not going to let me down when I face adversity. You see what I'm saying? It all plays off of each other. And one thing builds on the next. And we sang a song about this earlier, and this is where we get it from scripture. Second Corinthians 1.20 says this about the promises of God. The yes to all of God's promises is in Christ. And through Christ, we say yes to the glory of God. Through Christ, we say amen. God says, this is my promise for you. And the way that I'm bringing this promise about, the way that I'm fulfilling this promise in your life is through Jesus Christ. The yes to this promise that I have in store for your life is because of the work that Jesus Christ has done on the cross. And then when we align ourselves with that and then we come under the umbrella and we begin to live lives of faith and hope and trust that are pointed in the direction and surrendered to Jesus Christ, that that becomes our amen. And amen means yes and so be it. That means that we are accepting God's promises for our life, that that his promises are yes through what Christ has done. And then we come alongside and we say, we're going to take hold of that. And we're going to claim that for ourselves, that the promises of your word are the things that we want for our lives. Yes. And amen. Yes. And so be it. Let it be so in my life. And so whereas we discover that the speed limit sign is the precept. It is the black and white. It is the authoritative rule, the command in which we derive that we should drive carefully. We should drive safely, that we should pay attention, that we shouldn't floor the gas pedal. We should keep a safe distance from the people that are around us, that we should pay attention to the things that are going on while we are in the car those principles then turn into the promises and that if we'll obey those precepts and we'll live according to those principles, then what that means is that we're going to arrive at our destination safely without any citations. You see how that works? It's a building block. It's a, it's a process. That is the promise. If we follow the speed limit and we drive carefully then the promise is is that we're going to get where we need to get having not suffered any harm and having not gotten pulled over and gotten a ticket. And that's what we want. And so what we learn is that his precepts will allow us to live out his principles. 
And then his principles will allow us to look forward to his promises. That if we're living our lives in accordance with the precepts of God's word, based on the principles of God's word, then eventually we're going to be able to lay hold of the promises of God's word in our life. It's one after the other. But we can't jump ahead to the promises if we haven't first surrendered our life to the precepts. We can't skip any steps along the way. So God is saying, you know, some of you are just merely existing. You're just here. You're just your daily bread. You're just seeking after God's provision in your life. But there's so much more that you could have in store. And it is found through God's word, the principles, the precepts, the promises. And here's what I've come to discover. It's easy for us to allow his bread to feed us. But it's often difficult to allow his word to change us. It's easy to just get from God the things that we need. Lord, give me, Lord, give me, Lord, give me. We pray that prayer a lot. Lord, give me, Lord, give me, Lord, give me. How long has it been since we've prayed, Lord, change me? Lord, change me. Make me something different. It's easy to allow his bread to feed us. It's something entirely difficult or different to allow his word to change us. But what might happen as we turn our sights to a new year? What might happen if you and I began to live this way? What might happen if instead of just focusing on our daily bread, if we chose instead to lean in to the voice of God in our lives? Where might we end up on the last Sunday of 2019? What might our lives look like? I want some of you to consider what, what are some of the promises that God's made for your marriage? What are some of the promises that God has made in regard to your job? What are some of the promises that God has made you in regard to your kids, your finances, your health, your relationships with other people? What, what are some of the promises God has made you in terms of your hopes, your dreams. And if the secret, if the key to unlocking those things is not to just seek after our daily bread, but to seek after the voice of the Lord in our lives, then why wouldn't we wanna do that? And so as a, as a public testimony, in front of all of you as your pastor to the congregation to which I serve and lead and also a challenge to all of you as well is that for 2019 I'm no longer going to just exist 
I no longer want to live the kind of life where I just, I'm just here, where I'm just alive. Instead, I want to choose to lean in to God and his word and his voice in my life because I want to truly start living. Thank you for joining us today. At Christwalk Church, we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. For more information about Christwalk, please visit us at thechristwalk.com.